understand the next time you play your family. And to me, there's nothing more important. Not gonna be all sunshine and roses, but I can promise it's gonna be a hell of a ride. Welcome back, everybody, to Meet Us at Molly's, episode 86, where we're going to be discussing episode 8 of all three shows, so Med 408, Fire 708, and PD 608. Um, as always, I'm one of your hosts. My name is Bryna, and with me is the lovely Gina. Oh, hello. And there was some stuff that happened last night, guys, that we are going to get to. Lots of stuff. I feel like, as the as has been usual the last couple of weeks, there's going to be a lot of yelling, a lot of hot takes, theories flying, you know. I mean, it's that time. The fall finales are the next episodes we're getting in a couple of weeks. So, things are building up. <laughs> but before we do that, let's talk about the news. And there was, I mean, there's been some stuff coming out recently. Not a ton, but, you know, some stuff. So the first thing that we got this week was we got another deleted scene from Chicago PD. And this was Voight and Brennan from the Upton episode, which was two weeks ago now, right? I think so. Last week was a J episode. Yeah, so it was the week before last. Yeah, and it was just, I mean, nothing too crazy. It was just them in a bar. Voight wanted Brennan to drop the stuff against Upton and nothing crazy. But I feel like I had this realization when I was watching it. All of Brennan's stuff, or a lot of Brennan's stuff is getting deleted. I mean, you can't see what I'm doing right now, but I'm just kind of shrugging my shoulders. I'm like, hmm. And- I mean, I and not that I'm complaining because like I haven't really loved her character, but they seemed like when they made the deadline announcement, it's like, oh my gosh, she's gonna come on and you know be in this huge recurring role and she's gonna shake things up and yada yada. But like a lot of her stuff keeps getting deleted, so I haven't honestly enjoyed the character or what they're not what they're doing with her, but like the influence she's had. I. Intelligence is take they're trying to take a political turn this season. They're trying to delve into that, and I'm just not having it so far. I I don't like the way she played Burgess. I just I feel kind of flat about her. I'm just kind of like, meh. Yeah. I I haven't really loved anything of hers yet either, so I'm okay. But it was just something I noticed. I was like, oh wait, huh. This is another yet another Brennan scene that was deleted. Um, just mm-hmm. something of interesting. Nope. But yeah, so that happened. And then we also got the episode nine descriptions. So these are the fall finales for all three shows. All three shows are airing or stopping with episode nine for the winter. And these are all airing December 5th. So three weeks from now? Two weeks? Uh, three weeks. Three yeah, weeks from I, now. I, yes. Now, my birthday is on December 7th, which is that Friday. So I'm going to consider all of these fall finales my birthday presents from all three shows, which means that the podcast that week could just be a lot of me yelling. Yeah. Yeah. This Because they look intense. This could be really good or really bad. <laughs> really good or really bad. Yeah. So... Gina, why don't you take us through the med one? 
Oh my God, y'all. The med fall finale. And I mean, granted, we saw the, we saw the promos on Wednesday night. Um, the med fall finale is the freaking Manstead wedding. Yeah, definitely didn't even think we'd get there. I know. I Shit. I mean, okay. He proposed at the end of last season and then there, was there a time jump? There was a time jump, right? Briefly. Nothing crazy though. They cut right to the chase. Like, they got engaged in the spring, and they planned the wedding for the fall. This one was, like, a week or two. It wasn't a crazy time jump. So, like... No, there was no... God, that seems like... I can't remember. Now it's been so long. I'm trying to remember what episodes picked up with a... Because fire... Shit. Now I can't remember anything. Right, but I, I guess I guess this seems like a normal timeline. If they got engaged in real time back in May, and it's been, what, eight weeks now, so, all right, okay, seven months, eight months, all right. I just, it seems fast, but, you know, it's okay. Basically, the description says, Will and Natalie prepare for their big day, but an unsuspecting Will soon finds himself sidetracked. Dr. Charles disagrees with Goodwin on how to best handle a patient's treatment while Dr. Choi and April are on their own when a pregnant woman delivers. Dr. Rhodes finds himself operating on a patient that is of great importance to Detective Halstead. Not Will, Detective Halstead. So, I don't even know where to start with this. So, why don't we start with, we got a Twitter DM from Kristen. And she, talking about that last part about Dr. Rhodes operating on someone that's of great importance to Jay. So Kristen's theory was, she said, do you think it's Will? Down my own fantasy plot rabbit hole, was thinking it could maybe be Haley. Doesn't super, doesn't make a lot of sense since PD airs after med, but maybe Antonio does something wild and she gets hurt. Jay then realizes his feelings for her. Adam realizes she's his Burgess and backs off and Viola upstead. I mean, I like that version. <laughs> I mean, but she's right, though. Like, it doesn't, I mean, I like that version, too. Or, I'm okay with that version, but it doesn't make a lot of sense seeing as the order, because Med airs first. Uh, it won't be Haley. It won't be Haley. And I don't think it will be Will. I think the most obvious one would be for it to be Ray, right? Ray's not of importance to Detective Halls. I mean, I guess it depends on important. Important as in it is his case then yeah but like he's not important to jay he's important to will but he's important to the case like you were saying then who is it i mean who who is left in his life it's not their dad right i that's what i'm saying like i don't know i don't know and like i like the Haley theory but it doesn't work out for if these episodes have been switched i would think it's Haley for sure oh man but Um. yeah I don't know. So many thoughts. So many thoughts. Yeah. And I mean, the promo, basically, we saw Ray's sons come in and they were doing their thing. And something crazy is going to go down that finale. All I'm saying is that they may make it to the church, but like they're no, they're not going to make it to the altar. No. But Natalie puts on a fucking dress. I didn't think they were making it that far. I didn't think they (laughs) were making it as far as like putting on the suit, putting on the dress, like that blew my mind. I was like, oh shit, Natalie bought a dress. She, well, I knew she bought a dress, but like she put the 
dress on? Like, what the hell? Oh, yeah. No, I know. So I, this, this Medfall finale is going to be bananas. And it is not the only finale that is going to be bananas. No, Brenda, take us through fire. Yeah, so fire. Stakes are high when a massive car pileup on the freeway impacts someone dear to the firehouse family. Brett and Foster encounter a harrowing call while Kid and Severide find their relationship being tested. Okay, can we talk about this promo? Okay, so I caught, or I thought I caught a detail when I saw the preview on Wednesday that nobody else had picked up, but I think I was wrong. So there's a moment in this promo, Cruz is talking to whoever it is on that stretcher on the way to med. Take a close look, and it is Chloe. Spoiler alert, it is Chloe on that stretcher. Yeah, it's definitely Chloe. And I we I think by the time when we were talking about it this morning, no one had really picked it up, or at least they hadn't been really talking about it. Since this afternoon, we started getting some, like, tweets and stuff, people saying, like, I wonder what's going to happen to Chloe. It looked like her, and, you know, things like that. But, yeah, that definitely is her. I am going to feel a certain way if they kill her off. Right? Like, we can't actually be killing her off. Right? Oh, yes, we can. But, like, why? Why not? I'm just... I know. I'm, Good I'm, lord. I'm, I'm gonna be not happy if they kill her off. Because then it's just getting ridiculous. It's like, you killed Benny. You know... Casey and Dawson are Splitsville, which we'll talk about. I mean, what is even the point if you're just going to make every single character unhappy? Right. When I feel like they went, I mean, right now, but like, if, if she does end up dying, I think we'll all go back and look at this week's episode and be like, well, maybe they were overemphasizing because, I mean, there was a whole scene where, you know, she agrees to like stay back at the firehouse museum and like go through all the stuff as because they have to go to shift and otis leans over to cruise and she's he's like you got yourself a good girl uh, or something along those lines and i'm gonna be like oh she does he does have a good girl yeah, yeah and that's that's a really common thing they do too right before someone dies they're like let's focus in on this one person quite a bit when we had just been talking and we had just been talking about like last week or something we were like when are we seeing chloe and we got chloe this week and now she might be taken away from us like what the hell and think about how awful and tragic that is for chloe she survived the high-rise fire oh yeah only to get taken out by a car pileup that's some final destination shit is what that is that's crazy have you seen final destination you haven't have you no I, okay yeah we it's been a while since we've had a movie reference that's gone like right over your head i know enough i know of it it's not like you're mentioning something i'm like i don't know what that is i know what you're talking about i've just never seen it but i'm just and maybe they won't kill her but also it's fire it's also a fall finale right like yeah. they've got that's the thing with all of these things with all of these episode descriptions that we're going through is like there's got to be some kind of cliffhanger because, or something big happening because it's a fall finale. This isn't just like episode five anymore. This is nine, which is a fall finale. So they better not kill her. I know, but then I think the thing that I think is even more interesting about 
the promo that isn't in the description is they tease the hell out of that Matt and Naomi kiss in the promo. And it's not even mentioned Matt and Naomi in this description. That's true. No, it didn't. Yeah. Speaking of Naomi, um, if you're wondering why tonight's episode is so long, it's because we got the chance to chat with Kate Villanova and our interview with her is tacked on to the end of this episode. So definitely check it out. She's the sweetest. We had a blast. She's a gem. And I. Oh, my God. Yeah. But no. So and you'll hear we kind of talk about what we can expect from that in terms of Matt and Naomi with her. So just listen to that part. But I just think it's interesting that they tease the hell out of it, which I didn't expect them to do. Um, but they tease the hell out of it in the promo and it's not even mentioned in the description. But just interesting. That is interesting. So what do you think the cliffhanger is going to be? I don't know. I mean, I have my own theory about uh, prior to her. I didn't mention this to her. But prior to our conversation with Kate, I have my own theory about the kiss. But now I'm starting to rethink it just because of what she told us. I don't know. Mm. I don't know. Because my whole thing is I don't know how long she's going to be on. So I'm bracing myself if this is her last episode with a theory that would send her off. But I don't want that to be the case. Because I really like, I mean, I love Kate now. And <laughs> I, I like Naomi. So, but I have a theory on that if this is indeed her last episode on, like, how they could take her out. But not kill her. Just, like, get rid of her. I was just say, but then she teased that it's something unexpected, and I I don't know. So now I'm, like, I'm, like, questioning myself. I feel like if you kill a character, you shouldn't be able to kill another character for, like, a month or two after. Right, we just killed a character. Well. Technically, though, it would have been a month after by the time this airs. Just throwing that out there. Damn it. Just throwing that out there. I mean, I agree. I think it's way too soon. But, like, at this point, we're killing characters monthly. So, their time's uh, I mean, their time's up. They have to kill another character. Yeah, it's getting out of hand over there. Like, lock that shit down over in Chicagoland. Stop killing people. But actually, though. Right. So... And then on Chicago PD, this promo seemed to be the most tame of all of them, which is not something we usually say about PD. But it wasn't even that tame. I know. Yeah, exactly. So in an attempt to dig himself out of a hole and save someone close to him, Antonio crosses a line that puts the entire team at risk. It's an Antonio fall finale. Yes. Okay. Couple things. One, we spent, like, what, a whole afternoon theorizing about who this save somewhat close to him is referring to? We did. God, I really wish the listeners could see our group texts at all times sometimes. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think we all decided that, like, it's so not going to happen, or but, like, we want it to be Laura. Like, that is, like, the yes. dream. We all know that's not going to happen. But, like, no. who is left? Who does Antonio have? Ava? That's Ava. all we got. Yeah. Because they don't recognize Diego. That's fire that recognizes Diego. So. <laughs> Diego's a fire kid. But, yeah. but I, it's going to circle around his pill issues, right? It's got to, like, circle around that somehow. Unless it's a CI, but, like, ugh. I don't know. 
What, Antonio sleeping with the CI too? No, not about him sleeping. Not that. <laughs> but, like, I feel like every time, I don't know. I feel like we've dealt with that same storyline with Antonio and CIs, and they never end well. Well, sleeping with a CI seems to be an epidemic on PD right now. God, yeah. It's another one we'll get into. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I could see it being Eva. I mean, but yeah, like you said, I feel like it has to tie into the pills. Or the pills then have an effect on how he acts out. I don't know. I don't know. But then, we're not even talking about the best part. Or the worst part, whatever. However you want to frame this. But in the promo, Aunt Burgess is chasing someone and with a gun. Like, with her gun pulled out on him. And it turns out it's Antonio. What the hell? <laughs> what is going down in Chicago PD? My God. We might want to do like a Facebook Live that Wednesday after all the shows have aired and just be like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, that's not a bad idea. If we can figure no, out I think, how to work it with like both of us. That's not a bad idea. Yeah, or an Instagram Live. There's a way to do it. Split screen. Oh, Instagram Live. Hell yeah. Listeners, let us know if you'd be down for that. If you'd be down for an Instagram live after all the shows air on December 5th. That'd be fun. That'd be fun. Yeah, that'd be really fun. That'd be really fun. But yeah, yeah. so I mean, it's just so much shit going down on these fall finales, man. I know. I can just like hear future us yelling in the distance now. Yeah, I think we're going to need some wine that week. Yes, I'm always down for wine stock up on the wine um but yeah so those are all the episode descriptions i don't know when we'll get more i know they're call. i mean we all know that now that they're coming back um like early january so my guess would be sometime in december but with the holidays i'm not really sure when we'll get more episode descriptions so but we did get some other casting news gina do you want to talk about the casting news we got this afternoon uh gladly okay so John C. McKinley, he is coming McGinley. over to Chicago. Oh, shit. Yes, McGinley. Sorry. Uh, he is coming over to Chicago PD for a little bit of an arc in the spring. So not well in the spring, but I mean, like after the mid after the fall finale. So John C. McGinley, if you don't know who he is, if you've never seen the show Scrubs, cough, cough, Bryna, get on it because it's awesome. It's the best. It's so great. Uh, John C. McGinley was Dr. Cox on Scrubs, so I'm really excited to see him coming over to PD just because, I mean, love him. But yeah, so he has landed a recurring role on PD, and he will first appear in the 11th episode called Trust, which will air on January 16th. So I think that means that the shows will come back on January 9th. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm double checking the day. Yeah, the ninth. Yeah. Yeah. So he will play Brian Kelton, a police superintendent who is running for mayor of Chicago with a pro police platform. Kelton supports Voight's unit and his tough on crime tactics, but a case with political ties will put them at odds. So what does this mean for... And Haitia's character. Is Kelton the one that she was endorsing? No idea. I'll be honest. No idea. Okay. That's that's going to be a... We're going to have to drop back to 601 to find out the details on that one. Yeah. It's been a while. But 
I'm excited to see John C. McGinley. Um, I loved him on Scrubs. Oh, Dr. Cox and Jordan. There's an underrated ship that Brenna has no idea what I'm talking about. Um, um, yeah, you say Jordan with the word doctor and I think night shift. So, yeah. Okay. You Yeah, we need you to watch some like key Scrubs episodes because that show's great. Yeah. One day. So, so great. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, and just a little programming note for our last bit of news. Next week, obviously, is Thanksgiving. We're taking the week off. Um, as we hope you guys do, too. Definitely, you know, take the week, be with your family, eat some turkey, chill. I'm so excited for time off work. Oh, my God. Uh, but, yeah, and so we will be back on the 30th, Friday the 30th, with a new episode uh, we're going to push our fan fiction episode until the winter break so that way we can prep and research and make sure that we adequately deliver a proper fan fiction episode. So definitely send us your recommendations, all of them. Like, I don't care where you find it from, just send it to us. But please provide a link because when you, especially when they get sent to us from Tumblr, I'm like, I don't know how to access that. But Send us everything, please, because that's going to be a really, really fun episode. Yeah, and we're not sure. We haven't 100% decided what we're going to do on the 30th. I know we've thrown around some things, but whatever it is, we'll announce it on Twitter. So We should reach out to Tamar and see if she wants to do the second part of the Ships episode. We could. I know someone had suggested doing the, um, why can I not think of the... Oh, the Yates episode? Yeah, that's the word. Yeah, the Yates episodes. And we could just do them, like, as a storyline. Um, rather than, like, one of the episodes. Like, do the... Because there was two. And then, obviously, the crossovers with SVU. And just, like, talk about it as, like, a storyline. Do an episode on the whole storyline. So, yeah. if you guys have thoughts on what you want us to do on that Friday, let us know. Yes, please. Alrighty, so shall we move into the episodes? Yes, let's move into the episodes. Go for it. Okay, Chicago Med. As always, we start going order. Chicago Med. I guess we'll start with Will and Natalie. God. Oh my goodness. So toxic this week, my God. I mean, I think we'll just start with this line. I mean, Doris says this line at some point in the episode, and she's like, what's your boyfriend thinking? Okay, well, first of all, Doris, it's fiance, not boyfriend. Okay. Second of all, you have a point, though. What the hell was Will thinking this week? Oh, my God. So I guess we officially learned that Will has learned nothing since season one. No. We like to think he's moved on, but he hasn't moved on. He really hasn't moved on. And it's such a void way to approach medicine of, like, I'm just going to pick and choose which rules apply to me. That's not how this works, William. No. It's like, he also just can't take a DNR seriously. No, he really can't. And He's I like allergic to them or something. Oh my god, but you know what really annoys me that I just thought of is that we're never gonna know why because his dad's dead. So if it has something to do with the mom, we're never gonna find out. Nope. Ah. This was just like... From start to finish, this was just toxic. Uh, it This was probably their worst fight. Oh, by far. By far. Really, really, really bad. bad. Like, 
Natalie and Will were basically fighting over this father-daughter duo. And basically, you know, you guys know the, the father had a giant do not resuscitate tattoo over his chest. And man, it got ugly and it got ugly fast. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it literally ended with both of them just yelling about how they betrayed like one another and how can they trust each other. But then Natalie goes to hand back the ring and she's like, you're not going to want to marry me anymore. And Will's like, no, of course not. I still want to marry you. And then they all end up like so far what seems like, okay. And it's just like. Where was the real conversation about what just happened? Because that was not, like, how did you go from betrayal to staying engaged? Yeah, and the you betrayed me part, that was Will, right? Well, they both talked, I mean, Will's li- Will's line was like, you betrayed me, how can I trust you? And then, but they both talked about it. They were both basically pointing fingers at one another. It is so not healthy, the way they undercut each other professionally sometimes. no. Not at all. It's just, I mean, we're going to talk about, like, working together when you're, like, with someone and when we get to fire, too. But, I mean, it's not healthy. No, I mean, no, it, can, yeah. it can work in a lot of circumstances, but not on these shows. It can't. <laughs> Well, I just they they've got to respect each other if they're if they're going to marry, if they're going to get married and work together. I mean, they're going to see a whole hell of a lot of each other. Like they can't be undercutting each other like that. Well, and I think there's a different two. Like, I think we're seeing two very different perspectives on this idea of working each other on this same show. So you've got Will and Natalie who are over here undercutting each other every chance they get because they both believe they're right. And like they're not willing. They're so stubborn that they won't give up on what they want to do but then you've got connor and ava who i mean god that's a whole mess too we got to talk about because dear lord but you've got them trying to work together but like it's also like you know he's like walking all over her him or no he's walking all over her and she's just kind of letting him and like i don't know it's just like two very different sides of like working with each other like working with someone you're sleeping with because we don't really know what Ava and Connor are so I'll just say working with someone you're sleeping with and it's just not good in either circumstance no I I want to know though because I mean you're you're saying this Manstead scenario from Wednesday was toxic elaborate a little bit I mean I I consider it ugly, but I never, the word toxic never really crossed my mind. What was toxic about this to you? I mean, I think what's toxic about it for me is the way that they are yelling each other at each other one minute about not being able to trust each other and betrayal and saying a bunch of nasty stuff to each other. And then immediately almost it goes from like that to solved but not really and to me that's just very toxic like a relationship where you're yelling I mean they were screaming at each other on that roof or whatever like they're literally sitting there screaming at each other and then in one minute Natalie goes to hand back the ring and Will's like well I still want to marry you and then they're all good and to me that's just not a healthy environment and not a healthy relationship and Yes, it's ugly, and I agree with that word, too, but, like, to me, that's also a little bit toxic. Like, it's not a good no, relationship I, for either one of them. I agree, and 
I think it says a lot that after one fight, Natalie was thinking that Will would want the ring back. Right. And I think, but I think too, all of this goes back to like season three and stems from, they don't know how to communicate with each other. Clearly, Will's been lying to her for a whole season or half a season. And that, that says something about Will in this episode too, how he's like, oh, I still want to marry you. You are still lying to her and you still know that you're lying to her. And you're still just like, I want to marry you. Meanwhile, two seconds ago, you were just telling her, like, how can I ever trust you? Oh, we're getting married soon. That's ridiculous. So. Well, I think the mm. thing with Will and his lying for me, too, and when it comes to his and Natalie's marriage is. And this is something they haven't talked about yet, though. It's more than just Will and Natalie, right? Owen is involved. Nobody talks about that, but Owen is involved. So it's not just them considering the two of themselves. They ha- There's a child involved. And nobody seems to be talking about that and, like, what Will's – I mean, Will especially, like, isn't thinking about the consequences of what he's doing and how it could affect not just Natalie, but a child. I did not even think about Owen. Oh, my God. You're so right. Right? Like, I feel like, I mean, granted, this is bad regardless of whether there's a child involved, but it's, like, tenfold with a child involved. Yeah. Yeah. I never even thought about that. I really hope that they come to their senses. that, That was a really bad fight for them, and it definitely did not end the way I thought it was going to. But, I mean... They're, they're on really, really shaky ground. And then next week, she might find out that, or not next week, but, you know, the next episode, December 5th, I mean, we don't know if Nat's going to find out about the lies, but if she does, I mean, she's sure as shit going to leave him at the altar. Okay, so there's this is a question I have. I mean, we all know for sure that they're not getting married. Like, I think we can all pretty much safely say there's no way they're getting married. Is there any way that they make it out still together maybe in a fight but like still together i could see them being in a sex toy type situation where like they fight and then they don't really know what they are for a couple episodes but sex toys broken up right i mean sex toys broken up yeah but i mean those first couple episodes back we were like what are they doing right i mean now it's confirmed that they're broken up because i will get to sex toy in a second because of who comes back and the way it ends but yeah, I just like I just I mean, I don't think so. I think it's I mean, God, I hope they break up just because this is they need to figure out their shit. But I was thinking about that. I was like, well, I we all know they're not making it down the aisle. But like, are they making it out of the episode still together? Maybe, but I don't think so. I mean, I do love Manstead. I don't think they're ready to be married. I mean, I think they're like when they're cute, they are so cute. But when they're bad, oh, my God, it's really bad. Yeah. I mean, we've been saying that since season three when Will proposed. We were like, they're not ready to get married. They've only been been together for like a season. I mean, and I think we all kind of know just through the patterns of television that like no one's ever actually gets married on the first try. Very rarely. Somewhere out in California, Jeff is sitting behind his computer, just twiddling his thumbs, being like, Mwahaha. Yeah. No, I want him, Jeff, if you're listening, we want you to come back on at some point, because I feel like we have a lot to discuss with these first nine episodes of Med. 
We have a lot of questions for you, Jeff. We know it's only like halfway through the season, but we have a lot of questions already. But yeah, so, oh man, Manstead. I just, yeah, we didn't even deal with the Ray issue that much aside from his interaction with FBI girl. But I mean, man. But even then, that was like a second. Oh, and then I love how Willow was like, oh, she's a drug rep. And Natalie's like, well, what's she selling? And he's like, oh, just some compound. And she's like, uh-huh, sure. She should see there was bullshit. Oh, absolutely. She's not stupid. Absolutely. No, and, and this, I mean, it's, this, is, this brings up an interesting point. Uh, Nick had tweeted in the middle of the episode because Nick is slowly but surely learning Twitter, which is like the best thing ever. Um because he's really funny. He just never uses social media. But yeah, he tweeted and he was like, so why do you guys think that Will is lying to Natalie? To which I really wanted to reply and be like, no, I want to hear why you think Will is lying. But I mean, he's clearly lying because he thinks he's protecting her, but he's really not. To me, that's what I think, at least. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, he thinks that their relationship is not, which, again, I think leads back to, I don't know why they're getting married. My feeling is that he thinks that their relationship won't be able to hand it and handle it and that she'll leave him if he, if he tells her. But he also thinks, like you said, like he's protecting her. So he just wants to keep her out of it at all costs because it's not going to end well. And it's not. But you're making it ten times worse by just having lied about it. That's interesting that you say he doesn't think that his relationship is strong enough because for me, I think his motives are pure. I think it's just that it's literally like he would do anything for her. He loves her so much and he's trying to protect her. I don't I, I don't think he has any doubts about the relationship. Do you think that they know how dysfunctional their relationship is? I don't know. Sometimes I do and sometimes I don't like I feel like I feel like it's like we said, right? Like when it's bad, it's bad, and I think they know that it's bad. But when it's good, they just let it sail because it's so good. Man, but it's it's just bad. It is just bad. Which is it? It's I hate that it's bad because I do like them together, and I do think that like like we've said, when it's good, it's good, and they do bring out good qualities in each other. But God, when it's bad, it's bad. And I feel like it's that we sound like a broken record tonight just by saying that. But like, God, do we mean it? I'm trying to think about how they bring out the best in each other. And I'm drawing a blank. I mean, I think they have the ability to. I think they do. Again, I think it's just when things are clicking and all cylinders I think they do have the ability to push each other as doctors and they both do care about their patients and when they are clicking they do really care about their patients and bring that out each other but like and they are both passionate and I think they bring that part of each other out but again it's just when things are good with them they're good and so they bring out the best each other whatever but when it's bad they bring out the worst in each other and, okay, I will say this, though. The first half of that episode last night, I mean, they were working like a well-oiled machine, those two. Like, the call came in. They just got right to business. They got stuff done. I mean, up until that fight, they were working really well together. But so, they were yeah. working well, but Natalie was still skeptical. 
Like, that what yeah. just because they were working well together doesn't mean that they weren't still, like, not when they weren't in the trauma bay or rooms or whatever we call them on med. But they weren't, they were working well together, but they were still having issues with each other. Yeah. So, who the hell knows what the fall finale is going to do? God, we can only guess. And I have no guesses. <laughs> it's gonna be crazy. That's putting it nicely. Yes. yes. Should we talk about sex toy? Poor April. Oh, I know. I feel so bad for this girl. That last line when she was just like realizing what it's like to be replaced, I was like, oh, you poor thing. Well, you so, don't deserve this. Yeah. And so, but when Toy, my thing though, I was yelling at my computer today when Toy said his line to Dr. Charles and he's like, you know what, Dr. Charles? Maybe it's not a good idea, but some itches you just got to scratch. And then he runs off to Vicky. I was like, oh my God, poor April. Like, what the hell is this shit? And I don't even ship sex toy. But, like, <laughs> poor April. Like, Troy, what the hell are you doing? My brother. Like, God. I mean, I liked him and Vicky when they were together, but they were together for, like, two episodes in season one. I didn't care for the – I mean, I had no feelings about Vicky. I Whatever. My thing, too, is, like, is this mean Vicky's on a – back on a recurring semi-regular-ish basis like what is the what is I mean is this a love triangle now like what is happening I think she's back for a little bit which again I'm okay with because I liked Vicky when she first appeared I just I feel bad for April that you know she was finally gonna be like Ethan I care about you let's fix what is broken and Vicky was there and it was just a matter of timing I just you know I feel bad for her but that's the way love goes, not to quote the Janet Jackson song. I mean, if we're playing devil's advocate, and I mean, I, I love, I loved, I feel bad for April in this moment, and I love April, so, like, I want her to be happy. But, like, granted, we don't know how much time has passed between last episode and this episode, but she could have said something. I mean, this is television, so we know it's not going to happen, but, like, she had time to theoretically say whatever she wanted to Choi when Vicky wasn't around. Yeah, I mean, not everybody is as ballsy as we can be sometimes and just walk up to people and say what we need to say. Oh, that's not me but, at yeah. all. But, like, yeah, no, I'm just saying, theoretically, just playing devil's advocate, she could have said something. But, I, I mean, yeah, I felt for her at the end of this. <sighs> hey, Choi actually was not annoying this episode. Did it take a near-death experience to mellow him out? I don't know. We have to hold off on it and see, hold off on our judgment and see what happens in the fall finale because he can go right back to it if he wants. That's true. I did enjoy seeing April and Ethan separated for an episode. Was a nice breather. Not that I mind them together, but, you know. No, but it is, I mean, it is nice to see the couples not work together, which is why Connor and Ava just fucking annoy the shit out of me right now yeah yeah so um any notes on choice case because that was kind of crazy just interesting something i wouldn't have thought about i mean i feel like i've heard of like obviously perception being 
Because you hear about, like, phantom limb, limb syndrome and things like that. But just to see it play out in a case um, was interesting. Although I did scream and definitely looked away when she was, like, scratching your scalp. And they were like, there's the skull. And I was like, oh, okay, enough. Stop, please. No. It's interesting. I thought it was interesting. Um, one thing was when Choi asked Vicky if he, – he basically was trying to ask if she was – you know, and, and basically Vicky interjects and he's like, so is she? And then Vicky's just like crazy. Guys, can we find another word other than crazy, please? Please. Yeah, I really appreciated how you put that on Twitter. I had a professor in college who every time we used that word would, I mean, nicely call us out, but like call us out. Um, so it's something I try to be conscious of um, when describing someone. So, yeah, crazy is not a good word, guys. Let's 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 work on that. Yes, please. please. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that case was interesting. And I mean, I like that Dr. Charles was right after all. That was that was nice. But yeah, that case came to an interesting end. It was a really interesting thing about like rewiring her brain. And yeah, the mind is really powerful, y'all. Really powerful. Very powerful. Um, but I guess we have to talk about the the most frustrating part of this episode. I mean, I don't, I think, I don't know if I agree with that this episode. Connor and Ava, I mean, I wasn't really, like, frustrated by them. I was just kind of like, all right, Connor, throw your hissy fit, get lost, like, be gone. I found Manstead the most frustrating, obviously, but... I think the only part that really bothered me about Connor and Ava was the last scene, but obviously we'll get there. I mean, yeah, I'd say, like, it wasn't, like, a throughout frustration. It's just, like, I'm really over Connor now. I don't understand Ava and, like, what she sees in him at this point. And, yeah, I mean, mainly the last scene was just, like, oh, my God, what is happening? The way they're writing Connor, it's kind of bringing Ava down with him. Yes, I'd agree with that 100%. Because someone, where was I reading? I don't know if I was reading a recap or a review or something on Twitter. I don't remember. But I definitely agreed. They were, whatever it was, was talking about um, just the idea that, like, when we started out the season, you know, Ava was going behind his back and there was a lot of tension there. And, you know, she was being, you know, she was clearly into him, but. She had. She was, you know, a woman of her own conviction. She was strong and independent and whatever. But now that they had that kiss, it's like, oh, all of that's gone, obviously, because they've broken the tension. But, like, she's, is she just going to be, like, submissive to him in a lot of ways? Not submissive, but, like, you know, he said what he said, and she was just like, oh, my God, that's so sexy. And I'm just like, huh? No. Dave kind of dumbed her down this season. Yeah, it was like she started out strong and then she's just gone downhill. And I can't tell if that's like I mean, obviously I think it's the situation and the fact that she got what she wanted, but I also wonder if that's a lack or due to the lack of stuff we don't know about her. Because right now she's a very one-dimensional character. Like she's got the Connor stuff and that's it. It's all we know about her, really. And we've talked about that before. But, like, I wonder if we're seeing, like, the lack of her only ever of having, ha- 
only ever had had having had one storyline like ever in over like a season and a half essentially of her being on the show everything she's ever done has been around connor it has it has it's been tied into connor i mean this is where i get curious again about the makeup of the med writer's room how what percentage of that writer's room is women because with ava it's been either Either she is the top of her game and a complete bitch or she's really nice, but they dumped her down. Yeah. There is a happy medium. Not all successful women are heinous bitches. And if we're nice, it doesn't necessarily mean that we're dumb. But she's not even nice. I mean, she's just like. I just more question her judgment in men. Yeah. I'm yeah, like, I mean, for sure. I'm just like, girl, you are dumb. What the hell are you? What, like, what does she find sexy about this version of Connor? Because there is nothing sexy about, I mean, his beard. But, like, <laughs> there is nothing sexy <laughs> about his personality right now. Like, at all. No, no. I mean, I'm glad we all agree about the beard. I mean, it's it's majestic, but like, yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree with that. I just, I mean, and I feel like that's where I feel like they're dumbing her down because I feel like the Ava of seasons past would be like, hi, Connor, you're an asshole. Figure that shit out. Peace. And instead, she's just like, he's so sexy. Well, and he, something I was thinking about, too, is like, I feel like with them, we skipped 800 million steps. And what is their actual, are they just friends with benefits? Are they in a committed relationship? Like, what actually happened after that kiss? Because the way they're going right now, it seems like they're teetering, like, friends with benefits, like, halfway to a committed relationship. But, like, I don't know. I feel like their relationship status would also determine how I feel about her. Because, like, if they're just kind of friends with benefits and she's acting like this for a guy she's not even, like, that into, girl, come on now. I know. And even if she was, like, in a committed relationship or whatever we would call it, even then I'd still, like, have a lot to say. But at least I'd be like, okay, well, like, she's head over heels, so, like, uh, But. I don't know. I feel like we skipped 800 million relationships and it feels like they were way more serious than they were last week when they were just kissing for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. I also can't believe that Connor spoke to Goodwin like that. Oh my god. This is why part of the reason why I thought he was such an asshole and why I was so frustrated with them. Um was just yeah, like I mean his words. This idea it, to repurpose my room is misguided and reckless. Huh? No wonder you didn't get along with your sister growing up. Goodness. Yeah. But I will say, we did get a tweet from Lisa S. And she said, she was kind of agreeing with Connor a little bit. She was like, I usually roll my eyes at Connor's attitude, but I agree with him about this. If they have a trauma patient in the ER that needs the room and it's not available because they're doing general surgery in there, what was the point of having the hybrid OR? And I do agree. I Like, I do see where they're coming from and I don't necessarily disagree but that doesn't mean it's okay to speak to your boss like that 
No, and if this wasn't med, I mean, he would have been fired. There seems to be no repercussions for anything at med. Like, fake a death, it's cool. Ignore a DNR twice, also totally cool. Be insubordinate to your supervisor, A-okay. Well, I do, I mean, I loved how, I mean, Goodwin had a spine and, you know, was like, you pull this shit again and you're fired, you're out of here. So I do, I mean, I did appreciate that. But yeah, just like, you are not the boss. Just because your daddy donated money does not make you the boss. You still have to listen to what Goodwin says. She's still in charge. And, like, be respectful. This woman is your, like, she is your boss. Like, how could you be so disrespectful to somebody like that? Right. And it is not your room. It might be mostly used by you, but it is not your room. He was literally, like, a grown man-child last night. Just, like, kicking and screaming and throwing a a tantrum. It's just, no. And then it got so ridiculous with that last scene, how Ava thought it was just super sexy that he just spoke to his boss that way. Well, and my thing was, she was like, we're a lot of like, you know, you'd both, you'd both, or we'd both do anything to get, like, what we want. Uh, Something like that. Something like that. Yeah. What? Huh? Oh, No. Also, not sexy. Also, not sexy that scene because that is not sanitary at all. <laughs> I mean, do it in an on-call room. I don't care. Grey's Anatomy does it all the time, but I don't think anyone's ever done it where you're supposed to scrub in the most sanitary place in a hospital. <laughs> yeah. I had a big problem with I that. I mean, I mean, there's a joke in there about Stellaride doing it on the counter at Molly's. Okay, I just can't find it. but like, you're literally supposed to, like, that's where you sanitize your arm, like your hands and your arms before you go into surgery. Like the <laughs> most, arguably the most clean place in the hospital, and they're gonna have sex. Okay, cool. Um, again, they both do whatever they have to to get what they want. So, I can't. I know. Even. I know. Nope. No, I just, I need the couples on Chicago Med to be less dysfunctional. I need Connor to be less dysfunctional. I know. I just want to shake him by the shoulders and be like, you used to be so nice. I'd love to have Colin. You used Col- to have I'd, such a moral compass. I'd love to know what Colin thinks about this. Yes. Colin, come on the yes. pod and talk about Connor and everything with us oh my god please come on the pod we can spend like 20 minutes just gushing about how much we love patty and broadway and broadway oh my god colin needs to come on the pod please make it happen that's talking to us that's talking to us i was like please make it happen but that's us that makes it happen so yeah that's us Yeah. yeah yeah we'll work on that do we have anything else on med no, I think that's it. I, I mean, not a whole, I mean, just a lot of ranting. Yeah, a lot of ranting with the couples. I mean, we had the whole deal with Maggie freaking out about April being a charge nurse, but she gets it done. Yeah. I mean, I think April could be a good charge nurse one day, but Maggie, that's always Maggie still to me. Yeah. That's another instance of Connor being Connor, being like, hey, Maggie, this is technically a demotion, but you're going to come be my nurse anyway. And she's like, okay. Fuck off, Connor. Yeah. Yeah. 
Connor, not Colin. We love Colin. Yeah. Connor, fuck off. <laughs> I'm with you, though. I'm curious what Colin thinks about Connor's actions. Yeah. I'd be really curious to know. Right. All right. Is it fire time? Yeah, I was going to say. It is fire time. Do we, I mean, we just start with, do we just start with it? Gina, do you want me to say it? No. <laughs> you can, I mean, do you want to say it? I just want to, like, set the context here. Okay, so fire's airing on Wednesday night, right? Bryna is at a Wizards game, so I'm on my own. And Casey comes across and just drops this line so casually. They signed the divorce papers. Oh, my God. Oh, he says it so casually. He's like, yeah, Gabby and I already signed the divorce pa- their papers. You, what? That was Love is dead. so nonchalant. Love is dead, Bryna. Love is dead. I think my biggest thing is how much time has passed between Matt telling Naomi two episodes ago that he didn't really know where they stood and now. Like, was this Matt's decision to sign the to sign the divorce papers like a joint decision like how i need a lot more context on this it had to have been a joint decision i i it had to have been which i mean i agree i think it is but like were was this something my only question again this goes back to more of a time thing than anything because when he's talking to naomi two episodes ago he's like i don't really know where we stand you know we're trying to figure it out whatever and, like, but we're separated. I mean, it's not like they were trying to, like, get back together or anything. But, like, he's, like, we're separated. But, like, we're still trying to figure it out. And then now they've signed the divorce papers. I wonder if that conversation of, like, I don't know where we stand prompted him to contact Gabby and be, like, what are we doing? I mean, I guess so. But then I feel like divorces, I mean, I guess it's a case-by-case basis. But I feel like divorces are never granted that fast, right? And we know this can't be, like, a two-month thing, because we're still referencing that Benny just has recently passed. So it's not like two months has gone by or anything. It's like a week. Yeah. So divorces can be that fast if it's uncontested on both sides, which it never, ever, ever is. Right. Um, in Matt's case, it could have been. It very well could have been because she's in Puerto Rico. I mean, it could have been uncontested. I could see that. But... um. Yeah, and and in my state, it's at least sixty days before a divorce is granted. I mean, I'm yeah, I know these things. Sorry, but um, yeah, I mean, it was definitely a joint decision. I don't know if a lot of time has lapsed, but I think this is just a thing where they needed to put that to bed so that Casey they could do other things with Casey and not have him on the hook. Which no, I and I agree, and I appreciate. I think just at this point, I mean, I know a lot of people are upset about it, but at this point, just rip the bandaid off and like move on. And I feel like that's probably where Matt is at with all of this, too, is that he could dwell on it, but it's never going to resolve itself. He's just going to hurt himself. You know, it's just he's probably in a position where he's like, I just need to bury this and move on. Right. Well, I think he like you said, he kind of realized that, right? Like he in the moment he when Naomi goes in for the kiss, he, you know, pulls back and he's like no you know I'm not really sure what I'm figuring out but as he realized it you know I think he started to realize like life is going on beyond like right by him 
And there is this girl that he is interested in and, you know, intrigued by and wants to get to know more and presumably on a more than a friendship basis. And he's like, fuck it. Like, you know, am I going to let this go when we probably should just like, I should be moving on. And there's no way, though, he, he's such a good guy, though, that he's not going to do it while he's married to Gabby. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And there there was a line in last week's Supernatural where Dean was pretty much talking to somebody and he was like, listen, like all of that pent up anger and all that stuff from your past, just let it go. And he basically says he's like, you know, you can't change what happened. And at this point, it's just baggage. So just let it go. And it makes so much sense in this is, instance. I mean, there's no reason for him to be stomping around Chicago pissed off and upset at Gabby for ever. Yeah. And he's never has seemed upset with her. I mean, he was, I think he was confused and hurt, but he's never seemed upset with her. So, like, I think, I honestly think it kind of went as amicable. I mean, it was, again, hurtful and sad, but, like, I think it was as amicable as it could be. So just, yeah, like, I think let he them is move on. Yeah, let him move on. I think he is upset with her, but there's no use in expressing that. She was going to do what she was going to do, and that's that. And he knows that. What, that's why I say she's not, like, he's not totally upset with her. I think he's hurt and sad, but, like, he knows her. He knows her spirit and her tenacity, and she was going to do it, like you said, regardless. So, like, he just has to kind of accept it. Yeah. So I think it's, I think that's, it's a situation where they're, I mean, I think they definitely just did that so that they could do more with Casey and move on. And you're exactly right that, you know, Casey is such a good guy that he couldn't do any of this if he was still technically married to Gabby. Right. But I think, like I said, I think he's started to realize that she's going to, I mean, you know, she's only going to, she meaning Naomi is only going to stick around so long. I mean, granted, they are working together right now, but like beyond that, like, Personally, they're all, she's only going to stick around so long before she moves on. And he's going to, he clearly seems to like her. So he's going to regret it if she got to that point. So yeah, he yeah. just has to like, man up. Which, I mean, he said, he was talking to Brett and he said that as much. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. But speaking of Matt and Naomi, I mean, that ending to their storyline with the guy watching them. I don't know. Something's going on. Okay. And this kind of leads into the promo. I mean, we all saw the promo. Matt and Naomi kiss. Spoiler alert. Sorry, but you guys should know by now that we're going to talk about all spoilers. <laughs> so, okay. Here's my theory that I was kind of alluding to. That I think it's slightly changed, and I don't know if I really believe it after talking to Kate. But this is what I was thinking earlier today. Was, like, as much as I love Naomi, and obviously, like, I personally want to see her stick around. Like, I feel like that kiss was almost Casey sending her off because she's, like, in danger from this guy. And he's like, I want to protect you because I do care about you. But, I like, whatever this guy is doing, like, you need to go away for your own good. Like, go somewhere else. Yeah, but where's he sending her off to? He's just like, here, go away and really hope he doesn't find you. I'm just saying... It's not the first time they've dealt with sending someone away. They are, he is friends with an entire intelligence unit. Like, I. It's true. I don't know. That was just, like, when I was trying to think out of the box on, like, theories, that was what I came up with. But I don't believe it as much now. 
Yeah, it that's yeah. Make sure you listen to our interview with Kate. I think that it's, it's it's informative. Yeah, and I think the thing is too is like we don't know how long Kate's sticking around. I think if I knew she was going to be on past the finale, then I could like come up with like a better theory. But that was my theory of like this is her last episode. Like she's not going to stick around for any longer. So like, how do we write her off without killing her? Right, right. But I want her to stick around, and I. Yeah, for Kate's sake, and because I like Naomi, so I hope she sticks around. Yep. But in terms of Casey and Naomi, we did get an email from Allison. Yeah, this is an email from Allison. She said, I have zero interest in Casey and Naomi or another storyline where Casey thinks he's just part of PD. <laughs> and she said, doesn't Casey face enough dangerous situations by running into fires? This is now at least the third time someone has been trying to kill him outside the firehouse, too. Touche. <laughs> Touche. That's true. It, That's funny. She That's funny. is not wrong. This is definitely at least the third time Casey's gotten into some shit outside of the firehouse that has threatened his life i don't really mind when characters try to go all pd and they're not on pd i don't know i don't mind because usually it's either like really funny or awesome i don't mind it i just wish when they go all pd i mean granted we're seeing a little bit of it in med but like have pd make a cameo once like something (laughs) just to be like stop it yeah just have adam show up to the firehouse be like no so funny, so funny. So let's talk about the stellar rides because there's stuff happening here. That's the hot topic okay. of Twitter today. It is, yeah, definitely. When we put out the call and we were like, "Hey, what do you guys want us to talk about?" A lot of people were like, "Stellar ride, like talk about stellar ride." My question for you, Bryna, is he is not he's not letting Stella in to a degree. He's not letting Casey in, but he is letting Foster in. Why is he being the way he is about letting certain people in and certain people not? Like, why isn't he letting Stella in? Oh, God. I I don't know if there's, like, a, if I have any really good thoughts on to why. It's an interesting question because it's not like he's not opening up. He's just not opening up to the people he... Closest. Right. I think there was an interesting thing. So, Allison G, again... Brought up an interesting theory where she, or point where she said, we probably all hope he would open up to Stella, who lost both her parents, although we don't know the circumstances, right? I don't remember that. Did she lose both her parents? Oh, man. I don't remember. I'd have to go back and check that. But, but I feel like, I feel like that might be right. She said, but she said, but I think him pushing Stella away, at least initially, and talking to someone he barely knows is much more in character for him. Yeah. Which I agree. But this question of why is just, I don't know. I feel like that's just Kelly. Like, that sounds like such a cop-out answer, but, like, it's Kelly. What Kelly does is he doesn't know how to do the right thing, and he just, it takes him a while to get there. I think part of it might be that he doesn't want the people he loves the most and the people closest to them He doesn't want them to see him weak. And so with Foster, he doesn't know her that well. She's probably not in like the inner circle yet of people he loves and cares about the most. And so he's okay with her seeing him like this. But 
he doesn't want Stella and Casey and maybe maybe even Bowden to an extent to see him like that. But he hasn't even been like that with Foster yet. Like, I, he's just I kind mean, of talked about. Like, I understand what your point is, and I agree yeah, with that. Yeah. But, like, in reality, he hasn't even, he's just kind of talked about it. Like, he hasn't been emotional with, I don't know. The thing that I thought was interesting was, though, the whole thing where Kelly's just standing there and the fucking chimney collapses on him, which, we'll, I mean, we'll get to, geez. But, like, the chimney collapses on him. And then he later on in the hospital, when he's talking to Foster, he's like, I don't know what happened. And she's like, oh, well, you probably just heard the guy. And she, he's like, no. And he's like, well, you saw her. And she, he's like, no, I didn't. I don't think so. Like, it's so out of character for Kelly to just, like, be so overcome with grief, but, like, not be crying about it. Yeah, and that might just show what a state he's in. Because if, yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think if he's not if he's not crying to Stella, he's not crying to Casey, and he's not crying to Foster, he would never go to therapy because he's severide. Yeah. Who's he crying to? His pillow. Oh, poor Kelly. I mean, but yeah, it's just, it's so interesting. I mean, I don't know. I'm worried about severide. Yeah. I'm always worried about Severide, though. Yeah, I know. We're always worried about Severide. It's just kind of like, what degree of worried are we about Severide? Yeah. Um, I, yeah, just, I can see that, though, when he when he's like, I don't know why I didn't move. I'm like, oh, okay. I get that, though. I mean, yeah, his brain was somewhere else, which is, like you said, not, that's not right for Kelly, because he's pretty much most in his element when he's in the middle of a fire. Yeah. So, we got to, again, like I said, we have so many interesting points about Stellaride and Stella and Severide to bring up. Like, you guys were on fire with the Stellaride stuff. So, we got a tweet from Rhonda. Nice pun. Oh, ha, ha, ha. I didn't even, yeah. <laughs> but, so, we got a tweet from Rhonda who said, what do we think about the future looks like for Stellaride? Also, why didn't Kelly go check in on Stella after being punched in the face? Why does it seem like it's a one-sided relationship? I think it seems like it's one-sided right now, but it's not. I think I think it seems that way right now just because Kelly's the weak one and Stella's trying to lift him up. But that's relationships. I mean, we saw it the other way around when Stella got hurt. Yes. I think, though, the thing is, is with Severide, all of his... Up until this point, all of his relationships at one point seem one-sided because he closes off very easily. When things get the remotely the hard, hard, I mean, not even to this level, but, like, even if it was just, like, a hard day at work, he doesn't want to talk about it, so he closes off. So yeah. that's just him. I I mean, I can see, it definitely seems like it's once rioted right now. Like, Stella definitely seems way more into him than he does her. Um, but we all know, I mean, there's been scenes that have proven that that's not really the case and that he's just is into her, just not right now. But... I do think it's an interesting point that Kelly did not go check in on Stella because typically I feel like he, I mean, he does care about her and he probably would under normal circumstances, but I think it's telling that he didn't because he's so wrapped up in his grief. He may have, he may have, but we just didn't see it on camera just because, I mean, I think the whole main gist of Stella being punched in the face was her griping at Emily. I still don't think he did. I, even if we didn't see it on camera, I still don't think he did. I think he's too wrapped up in his stuff. But what do you think the future looks like for them? I, I would really like to think that they're going to get through this. But I don't know. 
Because I was thinking today, too, I was like, I wonder why they chose to just kill Benny like that. But I think it might have been to test Stellaride with the biggest test they've had yet and see how they weather this. Because it's like Emily was saying last night when she was like, you know, losing a parent, it messes with your head in ways you don't even know. So it's going to screw with Severide more than we've ever seen anything screw with him. Yeah. I... I mean, I want them to stay together, but I don't know if they will right now. I mean, I'm I'm not saying that they're over forever, and I'm sure they will get back together probably if they break up now, like, probably at the end of the season. But, like, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if they make it through. Just because, I mean, I, I, we talked about it last week. Like, we're both very fortunate that we've not lost either of our parents, but I can only imagine what that's like. And like you, like Foster was saying, like you were just saying, you know, losing a parent does something to you that you can't explain. So I don't know. And I'm also, I mean, we the episode description says, you know, like there's still not, like Stella and Severide are gonna be tested next weekend. You know, gonna still be going through stuff. So we'll just have to see what that stuff is. But we also had another point. Um, in terms of, so, there was a, that whole scene where, with a call, Casey sent Stella out of the fire because of her being so invested in making sure Severide's okay and, you know, putting their personal relationship over just, you know, her, the safety of everyone else around them and the team and, you know, all that stuff. And then Stella calls Casey out in the turnout room and... She's like, it's not your job to, you know, like, you don't really have a say. And he's like, well, actually, it is my job to determine whether you can be in there or not. So we had gotten an email from Allison who says, Casey is completely right about Stella. How are Severide and Kid going to keep working together at 51 when they're both ignore orders and their training and put themselves and others at risk whenever they feel the other person is in danger? What are your thoughts on this whole situation? It's a fair point. Even the Dossies were able to control themselves when one of them was in peril. It's a fair point. Because when Stella walked in and Stella was like, I can handle myself on a rescue, blah, blah, blah. I was like, yeah, you can. I agree. And then Casey was like, "Uh, you ran out of air in the crossover. And I was like, oh, I forgot about that. He's so right. Yeah. So it's a fair point. But, I mean, that's who they are. They're both very emotional characters who, you know, they act before they think. Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree with Casey on this. I mean, they have to figure out, if they're going to work together, they have to figure out how to balance the personal and the professional. They do a great job of, like, not being overly PDA and all that stuff. Like, that part they've got down. It, like you said, it's on the calls. Because you have to put the call and your teammates and the victims that's the word I'm looking for I was gonna say patients but that is not what you call them on fire but the victims <laughs> at first like you just have to yeah yeah um and then the last thing in terms of like stellar ride someone had pointed out to us um we got a twitter message from Kristen who said I don't like how they portrayed Stella as some emotional clean girl and girlfriend in this episode. She's a strong, independent woman who doesn't need no crap from Kelly. 
I don't think she was clingy. I think she was trying to be there for him. Yeah, I don't know if I necessarily agree that she was clingy, but I do think they are, I mean, depending on how next week goes, it could not be the best look for Stella, and I don't, I agree that she is a strong and independent woman, and I think we all know that, but depending on how next week goes, this we'll see how she's, what happens. Yeah, we'll see. I just, yeah, I mean, yeah. I like how at the beginning of the season we were like, man, Severide had better have an easy season and his dad died. He had a chimney fall on him. Okay. All sorts of bad crap was happening. Speaking of this chimney, let's talk about this first call. So I'm just going to skip around in that line to the bottom point, which is about the chimney. You mean to tell me Severide had a fucking chimney fall on him and he walks away with not even a scratch? How is he not paralyzed? Because he's Kelly fucking Severide and he's invincible. But like, Gina, come on now. I know, I know. Not even a scratch. I mean, first of all, he would definitely be paralyzed if this was real life. Like, no way about it. At least partial or at least temporary. Like, no way. I mean, it's a chimney fell on on him. A chimney fell on him, and he doesn't walk away with a single damn scratch. I mean, he went to med. He probably had some bumps and bruises. But, like, Gina. I know. <laughs> like, come on now. But, I mean, Severide to me is invincible. But I saw that and I was like, a chimney's on him? Like, what the hell? The man survived a bomb blast, like, through the chest. Yeah, but then at least he had scars and, you know, blood and things like, like, there was nothing. You would have think they put a blanket over top of him. That's how unscathed he was by this. I, I don't know. I, I, it doesn't really, like, phase me. I'm just kind of like, okay. He, I, like, he was completely conscious through the whole thing, and he was just like, I'm chilling. Just, just That's the other like, thing that, like, you're telling me this huge chimney is crushing your body, and you're breathing fine. You're not, I mean, you're breathing weird because of the it's smoke and the fire, rather than, like, the fact that a, however many pounds that chimney weighs, chimney is on you. I don't, it doesn't surprise me. I feel like, because it, it's, it's like one of those crazy situations where you see a terrible accident and it's like, you know, the driver was lucky to walk away with just like bumps and bruises. Like, it doesn't surprise me. It do, I don't know. To me, it's just like, <laughs> there is nothing. At least, I wouldn't have thought anything of it if they had like, at least made it look like he got hit on the head or something and like put his arm in a sling, like something to show that he looked, I don't know. It's a chimney. Just hashtag just severide things. It's a chimney though. Like, come on. Dear Lord. And not even just any chimney. The chimney's on fucking fire. Like, oh my God. (laughs) I can't even. But I did. Just severide things. I did like this call because I liked how, you know, Casey was just, you know, offered to die with Kelly. And then Cruz was like, fuck that shit. You guys aren't dying here. And just squad goals. That was beautiful. Beautiful. Literal now, squad Casey, goals. Squad. Oh, yeah. Get absolutely. It? Squad. Uh-huh. Squad. 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 Nice. <laughs> nice. But Casey legit offered to die with his best friend, and Cruz's way of 
resolving that was to hulk out and lift the chimney off of Sev himself. Squad goals, man. Squad goals. But when we're talking about literal squad goals, we also had Kappa Tony with, like, the most we've ever seen Tony talk in anything. Cap and Tony who saved each other. They saved Severin and Casey and then saved each other. Yeah. And Tony spoke more than just, like, one word of dialogue. It was great. Yeah, it was so great. And Tony didn't even, like, I don't know, the minute that Casey was like, get out, Tony was just like, all right, and he took off his mask and le- left it for Sev. Like, that was beautiful. So good. Squad goals, man. Ugh. I love them so much. But speaking of weird calls, the second yes. call, how does one get a dart stuck in their head like that? I mean, I mean, they were very drunk, obviously. But, like, I'm just thinking about this. Like, how fast do you have to throw the dart to actually have it go through your skull and, like, into your... I don't think it was that, though. I think the guy actually explained it. Like, he was drunk or something and told his friend to, like, put his, put the dart in his head and then, like, you know, just, like, push it in or something. I think that's what it was. No, they were throwing at a lemon or something like that. Oh, my God. Drunk something people. it was like with a lemon or lime or some shit like that I, no it was not just them like pushing it in it was like throwing it at him i did enjoy the tiny bit of sports shade there when they were like uh it's a packers bar <laughs> a little bit of shade just a little bit enjoyed that just a little bit a little bit but yeah i mean and to be fair and i tweeted this during the episode last night i mean Brian's sport is basketball minus soccer. Watching my team can sometimes feel like a dart to the head. I'm sure it can for Brian as well. So Hey, things are turning around. We're on a winning streak right now. Things are, mm, it's still not great. But, like, this week has been fun. So. Yeah. And meanwhile, our season has been over for, like, a month now. But. <laughs> yeah. Sports. Just know so many questions though, about this case. And I was just like, oh, my God. Yeah. I want to know what case yeah. inspired this. Like, what real-life case inspired this? Oh, God. It was probably some chimney issue in, like, No, I'm talking about the dart Malaysia. case. I'm talking about the dart case. Oh, the dart. Like, what case okay. inspired the dart? It's probably something Derek read from a foreign country. Probably. That he was like, oh, my God, this would make a great call. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, so just funny. a few other little things. I mean, drunk Brett is, I think we can all agree, the greatest thing ever. Yes. And, yes. More of that, please. And speaking of things I want more of. The Brett Casey really friendship, and I'm glad we're getting at least some more of it because it's pretty great. Along the lines of Brett and Casey, I know we had a conversation uh, back when the season started that we never actually shared on the pod, but I feel like we probably shouldn't share it yet since Casey and Naomi are still happening. No, we are not going to share. We sh- nope. We so can we'll just have- we'll have to share it eventually. Yes, eventually. Don't forget, it's nothing bad. It's just us throwing around theories. Yeah. No, but definitely, I feel like once we get the established on whether Naomi, how long Naomi is sticking around, then we can share it. Okay. Yeah. It's nothing bad. It's just a theory. So, and then, I mean, the last thing was just another incredibly funny B storyline. I mean, I think season seven has had the best B storylines we've ever seen on fire. Like, they've just stepped up their game with the funny this year. Yes. Yes, yes, and yes. I mean, Herman's hair, I die. (laughs) <laughs> I die. I mean, and the Bowden calendar thing is just so good. Oh, so good. And Donna. That was perfect. And just Donna. And I mean, just, I fucking love Donna and Bowden together. Like, I need more of them. That was so funny. 
And I mean, so funny. We also kind of talked about it. I mean, lo- earlier, loved seeing Chloe back. I mean, she and Cruz are adorable. And but then there's that promo, so I'm not trying to get too attached to her. I know. Please don't kill her. Please don't. I wonder here now that I'm saying this though, because I had my Naomi theory. I feel like if they kill off Chloe, they're not gonna send Naomi away. Huh? Because that's too much. Killing off, right. killing off a girlfriend, and then sending off another, sending off another love interest. What about how the universe has killed off two fathers in you know a very very short span? Okay, short span, not the same episode. No, they they tried to off Ruzik's dad. Tried to. Technically, all separate episodes though. No, I know. But. Hmm. Yeah, that happened. And that's fire. That is fire. And then we've got PD. PD. We're, I mean, Kevin, 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 Kevin. I think, I just want to say, let's just start out on a positive note. Is that bed scene the sexiest, like, steamiest scene we've ever seen on PD? Yes. Yes. Like, Damn. I know. I know. Good thing I wasn't watching that in public. My God. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that, that, yeah. I mean, mean, it took, we've been begging for Atwater to get some love in his life for, like, seasons and seasons. And it finally happened only for her to turn out to be a criminal. But, like, it was good when it was happening. Like, Kevin, like, Leroy's delivered. It was oh, yeah. good oh, yeah. when it was happening. And this is just, like, further proof on why we need more of it. But, yeah, it was bad. And, I mean, the actress who played Layla, her name escapes me right now, but, like, she was fantastic. I'm going to see if I can Google her. But, yeah, she was really good. Um, I loved what you tweeted, though, about how the joke LaRoyce told when we were in Chicago at Molly's that night, like, came true yeah. in oh, yeah. reality. Oh, yeah. When they, like, end up telling the story of Atwater's love interest. Like, that was so funny. Yeah, so if you don't know what we're referring to, when we were in Chicago for Con back in March, um, LaRoyce kind of shared with us a little monologue that Kevin was going to do when he, there's that basically, there's basically that episode that ends in Kevin doing some stand-up at Molly's. And he had shared a little bit that he, that it got cut out or something. And basically the whole gist of it is that, you know, most of the girls who like Atwater have misdemeanors. Most of them have criminal pasts. And there's a line in there where he's like, if our first date was when Voight told me to throw your ass in the cage, we don't really have much of a future. And it's hilarious. And we have the video of it. We'll repost the link. But it came true in this episode. Because <laughs> she was adorable. We fell in love with her so fast. And then it turned out that she had a criminal past. Yeah, it was... Dear Lord. Okay. Yeah. But let's just get to the point. Mm -hmm. What would you have done if you were Kevin? Like, turned her in or just, like, let it slide? Because, like she said, she was doing a lot of good. Um, She clearly has changed. She wasn't really involved. I mean, she was involved, but not, you know, really. Um, I mean, what would you have done if you were Kevin? I mean... Probably turned turned her in. 
Probably. Because, I mean, felony murder is still a crime. No, she didn't kill anybody, but she was still there and somebody died during the commission of a felony. It's still a crime. Yeah. Um, just so- And plus, I mean, if you don't turn her in, then you're kind of aiding and abetting. Agree. Side note, the Layla was played by Mil- Milawana, M-I-L-A-U-N-A, Jemai Jackson. She killed it. She was so good. Um, side note, found that. But yeah, no, I definitely agree. But I think it's interesting. I mean, I really love the juxtaposition they set up, though, with the ending. With the fact that yeah. Kevin was willing to do it for a kid who still had a chance, you know, at a better life, but he wasn't able to do it for her. I think with the kid, though, he he had learned from what he had done with Layla, because I think he felt really guilty about Layla. And I think he realized, like, I fucked up. So when it had a second chance to present itself, he was like, okay, I'm going to do it right this time. But I also feel like that's a really big shift for Kevin. I mean, he's going to have to live with that choice for the rest of his life. I mean, oh yeah. even if the gun doesn't get washed up, like, he still knows what he did and he has to, like, that's going to weigh on him. Yeah, and this isn't a case where it's, you know, Adam who can be like, all right, I understand why Voight is the way he is. This is Kevin. Kevin's got a really strict moral code. Yeah, I mean... And Kevin's just gone through so much shit. Yeah. Yeah. Like, the fact that he now then has to make this huge choice of, like, forget Layla, but, like, sending a kid to jail or, like, letting the kid, you know, learn from his mistakes and have a better life. I mean, that's a lot to take on, too. Yeah, and, I mean, obviously to me, I mean, this kid killed somebody. That's the bigger crime right there. If you're going to have to choose who goes to jail between the kid and Layla... I mean, I'm going to choose the kid. The kid killed somebody. Layla didn't technically kill anybody. Gina, can you speak? Felony murder is still a crime. Can you speak lawyer to me real quick? Yeah. Yeah. Can you explain? Okay. Again, I haven't, I didn't go back and watch PD, so I probably could figure this out. But like, so Kenny dies. Mm Mm-hmm. But Layla, because her print is still on the gun, is the one that has to go down for it, even though just because there's no other witness. Is that why she still has to go down? I mean. No, Layla goes down because of the crime 10 years ago. No, that's what I'm saying. Because her fingerprint was on the gun and there's no other witness to. They, like, they can't get the confession out of Kenny. Well, yeah, see, because when, when once Kenny dies, any chance of him confessing and being like, I'm the one who killed that guy goes away. Goes away. Right, and there's no other and witness so, to say that it wasn't her and vice versa. Right. But I'm a little confused by that because I would think felony murder would still apply whether Kenny confesses or not because she still was involved in the commission of the felony. That's the whole deal with the felony murder doctrine is basically if you're – part of in if you're committing a felony and in the course of committing this felony somebody dies you can still be charged for murder so that's basically what it is and that's why because she she loaded the gun and he didn't even she she helped him commit the murder she didn't do anything but she helped him and the guy died and so that's why she went down for it 
But I think if he had still confessed that she still would have gone down for it because she was still there when the felony was committed. Yeah, and I think it was also kind of confusing because the whole ASA call that went down was, like, not shown. So, like, they just kind of, like, let all of the lawyerly stuff regarding Layla's case be handled off screen. So then they were just like, oh, the best we can do for you is three years. Like, that's all we can do. And it's like, but wait, what happened? Like, I mean, obviously, clearly it all happened off screen, but it was just like, huh? Yeah, and I mean, I think that shows, too, that Voight Voight was not part of the group that thought it would be best to turn her in. He was trying to help her, you know, get off because of all the good she was doing. But in that case, what probably happened is... The, they probably came to the choice of three years based on all of the good she was doing. And so it kind of mitigated her sentence a little bit. But felony murder is still felony murder. Yeah, and I mean, I think Revoit too. I think he wanted to help her. But I think more than that, he knew he needed to protect Atwater, which is why he sent Atwater away. He wasn't allowed to work on the case anymore. And at that point, he has to, he has to protect Atwater so he can only go so far to bat for Layla without outing Atwater. Yeah. So, hold on a second. Go back. I still had the screen where I was looking up her name. Um, um, but, I mean, yeah, like I said, I mean, just, like, my heart fell for Kevin at, by the end of this episode. Like, I was just like, oh, my God, poor Kevin. No, same. And, I mean, they both felt that they had something special between them. They, I mean, they definitely had a connection. I definitely did not hate what I was seeing. No, I was. I've never shipped two people faster in my life. Right, and like, I knew. I mean, obviously, I knew that something was up, and that this probably wasn't going to last forever. So I wasn't trying to get too attached, but I really did like them. Yeah, I really liked them. And there's a couple things too. I think one, like we said earlier, it just proved like it's about time Kevin gets an at or Kevin gets an at water. Kevin at water gets a love interest. <laughs> my God, like that man deserves all the love in his life, and then. Two, it is really refreshing to see someone in the that's a main character have a love interest outside of a character on the show. That's like a staple main character on the show. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, yeah, it was a very, very good episode on Wednesday night for sure. I, yeah, I just, I felt so bad for him. And I mean, for him to throw the gun away, that's just, wow, that's... Yeah, that is not the Kevin Atwater we know. Like, well, and Kevin did some growing well, in front of our eyes. It's funny because we talked about it last season, too, with the big, well, with one of the big Atwater episodes when he pulled the gun on that guy. And we were like, that's mm-hmm. a changing point for Kevin. And I think this is even more so a changing point for Kevin. Yeah. Which is crazy. So crazy. Our little Kevin's growing up. Yeah. I hope it doesn't, I mean, I don't think it would, this one especially, would do anything for bad because, I mean, at the end of the day, his intentions were good. So I don't think this will change him in a bad way. But it'll be interesting to see how this plays out and affects all of his police duties moving forward. I think he's going through the growing pains the same way Burgess was a couple seasons ago. How You know how Burgess has grown into, you know, such a fierce cop now. I wonder if Kevin's going through that change, too. Maybe. Maybe. It's about time. Yeah, no, it's totally about time. It's about time that Atwater gets all of the love in the world because he deserves it. He really does. Give Atwater a love interest 2018. This was not fulfilling enough of the... We did not fulfill the hashtag. This did not count. This yes, did not the, count. The hashtag lives on. The hashtag lives on. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, just, I guess we talked about the Antonio stuff a little bit earlier, so we don't need to rehash that. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I it was honestly kind of a breath of fresh air to not have an episode with, up, or centered around Upton and Ruzik and Halstead and as much as I love all of them. But, like, they just, they were, that was so much the focus of so many episodes this season that, like, it was nice to take yeah. away and have an episode that didn't talk about it at all. It was nice. So... It was very nice. We didn't get any of it in the J episode last week, did we? I don't think we did. But there was the whole... We didn't get any Upstead necessarily, but like Upstead and Upton and there was enough. Yeah. It was refreshing. It was nice to I see. I mean, there was like nothing in this episode. Whereas last week, I mean, Upton was around and they had that moment at the end, so it was close enough. Do you feel like the tone of PD is different this season? Yes, but I'm curious to know what, what what you're thinking. Well, only because last season, you know, they did such a good job with equal focus on all of the different characters. And this season, it seems like they're not doing that again. I mean, I, I well, maybe they are. I'm just kind of, they're not bouncing around the way they were. Or maybe I'm just really tired and rambling at this point. What do you mean they're not? I mean, because to me... I think it's just different. I think the only thing that makes it different is just, like, the tone is in, like, romantic-wise. Like, there's a lot more romance and undertones of, like, personal drama. Like, last season, we got to know, like, you got to see the different individual episodes. And you learned more about the backgrounds. But there wasn't as much, until the whole Ruzik, Void, Denny stuff, there wasn't as much, like, personal drama. But even then, that's, like, work personal drama. This is, like, very much, like, personal drama coming to the forefront again. And we just haven't maybe seen that, that yeah, in a while. Maybe that's so what I think it it's is. last season mixed with the earlier seasons until, like, season six. If yeah. that makes any yeah. sense. Yeah. That makes sense. No, that's probably what it is. But is that all we had to say about PD? I know I feel like we kind of glossed over it, but... Yeah, I think that's about it. I mean... I mean, it was primarily just the Atwater story last night. Yeah, there was not much else to say, like, at all. Burgess caught Antonio popping pills. It's about... Yeah, we still don't know what happened, what injury caused Antonio all of his shoulder stuff. I have so many questions about this shoulder storyline. I thought it was when he tried to open that door with his shoulder. Had they, but they've never, I mean, I think we could assume that, but they've never actually said... Because we don't know enough about the Antonio storyline. Because we went like five episodes without talking about it. Whatever. I mean, he hurt his shoulder somewhere at the beginning of the season. Because there was that episode where basically like he was in the ambo getting his shoulder like iced down or something. And Voight was like, let the younger guys handle it. Oh, like, yeah, like yeah, 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 yeah. I do remember that. Yeah, I do remember yeah. that. But, yeah. I feel like we've now run short. But it feels like it's just because we also went like over two hours last week. Yes. So an hour 30 yes. something seems long or seems short, even though it's not short. Yeah. So, guys, that's going to be about it for tonight's episode for episode 86. Now, you're not going to hear our outro here. We are instead going to go right into our interview with Kate Villanova, who plays Naomi on Chicago Fire. God, we had such a good time with her. She is wonderful. She's a gem. Um. Oh, my God. She's so sweet. We had so much fun with her. I want to be like, BFFs so with her. Same. Same. Yeah. 
If only we were all in one place, we could have done that interview over a bottle of wine and it would have been perfect. Oh my God. I know, right? I know. That's like my like dream is to do an interview for this podcast over a bottle of wine with like Patty, Mur- Patty Murin or something. That'd be fun. The dream. I know, right? But yeah, as always, guys, follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr. It's Meet Us at Molly's right across the board. Email us anytime about anything. Our inbox is a safe space. You don't have to talk to us about the Chicago shows. You can vent about anything. You can talk other TV shows. We love other TV shows. And yeah, um, you could follow us individually on Twitter. I am at Gina Watches TV. I am at Brenna K13. We're so tired. We're like, what are our Twitter handles? Again? Yeah, and I don't think we, <laughs> I think we forgot to ask Kate her Twitter handle, but her Twitter handle is Kate underscore Villanova. Villanova. I didn't think about that for a second. Yeah. And I don't have her Instagram handle off the top of my head, but I'm, it's linked on her Twitter somewhere, so you can find it from there. But go definitely, follow her. Definitely follow her. You guys, I mean, she's not the character she plays. She's she is a gem. Not to say that Naomi's not wonderful, but yeah. She is a gem. So, for sure. But yeah, so we're off next week for Thanksgiving. So you guys enjoy, you know, enjoy your family, enjoy the food, enjoy the Thanksgiving Day Parade, enjoy the Black Friday sales if that's how you roll. Um, but we will be back the week after next with a brand new episode we just don't quite know what about yet. So if you have any suggestions, let us know. But otherwise, happy Thanksgiving. Have a good weekend. And here is our interview with Kate. Bye. Yeah, that's interesting that, you know, you kind of, you understand and you kind of knew what we were jumping into. Because, I mean, did you watch the shows before this? Did you know that Casey and Dawson were kind of the the big ship in town? Yes. So I, ha- I watched a lot of season six just because I was auditioning for the show. And, like, when you audition, you have to watch it to know what's going on and to kind of get the world of it. So I had seen a bunch of season six episodes. And I had seen the pilot, so I knew kind of the world. Um, and then after I booked it, I started watching, like, from the beginning. And, totally, like, I've been binge-watching it these past couple months. So I'm, like, really involved at this point. Um, it's kind of funny for me, because I'm, like, super into Dawson and Casey right now, too. Even though I know, I know like, how it ends for them. Um, but, but, yeah, I did, I did... I didn't know, I, I don't think I knew the extent to which, like, people were so passionate about them, but I definitely knew that they were the big ship in town, as they say. Yeah. So, yeah, Kate, why don't you just tell us a little bit, like, first off, like, how, how did you get into acting originally? <laughs> oh, my God. Um, I got into, I always did theater as a kid. I was always in the school play, like, from... I think the age of like 10 on, I just, it was like always my jam. I was always in the play, it was always my after school activity. I don't know if I was any good. I think I probably wasn't, but I was really passionate about it and loved it and had so much fun. Um, and so when I went to college, I ended up, I double majored in theater and psychology and I didn't think I was going to do, you know, really pursue acting, but I kind of just couldn't stay away from it. Um, and then when I graduated, I had this moment of, what am I going to do now? And something inside of me was just saying, like, you have to, like, you have to at least try. You're never going to forgive yourself if you don't try to be an actor. 
So I eventually moved to New York, and I was like, oh, I'm going to be an actor. Meanwhile, I had no idea what I was doing. I knew nothing about the business. I didn't really even know what it meant to be an actor. Um, I didn't I didn't really have any solid training behind me. I mean, I had taken a lot of acting classes and done a lot of theater in school, but I didn't really know what it meant. Um, and so I started working a little bit here and there. I started doing some theater stuff. Um I don't know. I, I eventually like did a couple jobs that made me realize how much I loved it and how much um, it made me realize like I hadn't really been taking it that seriously and that I needed a little bit more training and that I really wanted to to go for it, you know, full on, full steam ahead. Um, and I had become friends with a couple people who were applying to grad schools. And, and I was like, that's a thing? You can go to grad school for acting? And they were like, yeah, you can go get your MFA. And I was like, huh, that's crazy. What is that thing? And I ended up applying to go to drama school, um, kind of like a little bit, like I was, you know, already kind of out of school and living my life. But I decided to go back to school, and I got my MFA in acting. And so I'm very much like a theater-trained, like that's sort of my background. Yeah. Um, and then I graduated from there, and, you know, it's been, like, a really interesting few years. I immediately got agents and started auditioning for things, but I still didn't, like, I hadn't really found my groove yet. I don't think I really knew who I was as an actor. Um, am I am I going on too much? I'm no, like, no, you're good. <laughs> the floodgates are opening. Sorry, I'm going in deep here. Um I, like, dealt with a lot of stage fright and nerves, um, and, and, like, still do to a certain extent. I think all actors do. But um, I don't know. It's, like, been a really interesting few years, um, and I've, I've uh, like, always been in acting class just because I love it. I just love it. I love like, Even when I'm not working, I'm always in class because I just love working with actors, and I love working on material, and I love the storytelling, and I love creating characters. Um, and... I, yeah, I've just been auditioning and working, and like, in, especially in these past couple of years, I feel like I'm sort of stepping in and finding my voice as a storyteller and as an actor and um, all that stuff. This is actually my first recurring role on a network TV show, so this is like, I'm super excited to be in Chicagoland. Um, it's, it's been really, really, really fun. Yeah, no, I just, while you're talking about it, I'm really curious now that you're talking about, like, finding your way as an actor, like, I never yeah. heard anyone talk about that, like, how do you find, like, like, obviously you get parts and stuff, but, like, how did you find how you, like, who you wanted to be as an actor, and, like, what roles you wanted yeah. to be, like, how did that work for you? It's, so I have this theory that acting is, like, 95% mental, <laughs> like, when you're feeling really good and confident, and when you're feeling really good about your work and really confident and when you're having fun with your work, then it's like you're unstoppable. It's kind of like you're just flowing and you just feel so good. But it's really hard to get to that place, you know. It's really hard to get to the place of, of confidence, especially when you're going in for these things. And you, you know, there's a lot of rejection in it. And I think for me it was less about, like, figuring out what kind of character I play yeah. and more about getting to a place where I stopped caring about the rejection and I stopped right. caring about the job and I just really, really like, clicked into the to the fun of it and to the work behind the job, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, like, I stopped, 
I stopped trying to like, oh, I'm going to go in there and book the job. And I started to just go in there and be like, hey, I, you know, this is the work I did. This is who I am. Take it or leave it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And a lot of times they leave it. You know, it's not like you suddenly start working and then you're golden, but you start to have more fun and, and you kind of fall into your groove a little bit more. Um, And I think that that's, I mean, I think that's, that's why I'm an actor because that's the most fun thing in the world when you, you get a part or even an audition that you just kind of jive with and it's just so much fun to do. Um, it's definitely the thing that keeps, that keeps me going and keeps me coming back for more. That's great. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So was there a specific person or experience that helped you decide to be an actor or was it just kind of what you always wanted to do? No, I think it was just, I always had the most fun in my theater classes and my acting classes. Um, I, I like always loved movies and TV. <laughs> I love TV. I probably watched way too much TV growing up. Um, I just, I don't know. I always liked it. Um, it was just the most fun thing in the world. And again, like I try, like I, I sort of debated doing other things, but I just kept coming back to it. And um, it's almost like a habit that like I tried to kick, but I couldn't. I just kept coming back. It was, it's almost like an addiction or something. So you love TV. We love TV. So that begs the question, oh, what are God. what are you watching right now? Oh, my God. Well, I'm watching Chicago Fire, obviously. <laughs> I've, like, gone, I'm, I think in season five right now, I've been binging it. Um, my favorite show ever is actually RuPaul's Drag Race, which isn't scripted. It's a reality um, competition show for drag queens. It's the best show ever. I'm obsessed with RuPaul. <laughs> um, which, and I totally get the whole, whole, like, the way people are about Casey and Dawson. That's how I am about certain drag queen competitors. So I, I totally get it. Like, when you're rooting for something or when someone gets eliminated, it's heartbreaking. <laughs> so I totally, totally get it. Uh, um, what else am I watching? I love, um, hmm, I'm sort of in the middle, about to finish season one of Ozark, which has been really fun and dark and good i love insecure i love broad city insecure is um, on what hbo yeah hbo okay um what else? i'm excited for game of thrones which is i think it's coming into its last season right right um yeah it'll be fun very fun. my top those are my favorites um yeah i'm trying to think of what i'm yeah. binging right now i'm binging golden girls which is an oldie but great one. <laughs> oh my god golden girls yeah yes. I love that. The original. Yeah. Ladies. It's all on Hulu. It's great. Bryna, what are you watching right now? Oh, God. What am I watching? Um, I'm not binging anything necessarily at the moment. Just watching. I've been watching a lot of Dancing with the Stars. That's like my show. Ooh. Like my I show. love a good reality competition show. Me too. I just there's something about it. It's like, I don't know. It's. Just like the American in me. I love the voice. I love yes. I love um, the I just got back into the voice for the first time in a long time this season. But I was watching that the other night, too. I love the voice, It's too. funny. I don't necessarily watch it through the season, but I love watching the audition process. Like, I love when people first come on and then they yeah. have to turn their chair 
stars around. I love it so much. It just warms my heart. <laughs> yeah, and they're all so good. And I think the judges just provide so much better critique on the voice than they do on any of the other singing stuff. So I love For it. sure. You can really root for people and watch their transformation. It's it's really inspiring, actually. I can't sing at all. So I, <laughs> I like when people can sing, I just find it the most. I'm like, just sing to me all night long. Put me to bed. Like, I just, I love it. Um, so I love, I love any kind of singing reality TV show, but The Voice is definitely my favorite. Yeah, those are all good. And I guess, oh, the other show I'm really into now is All American on CW. I'm really into that. Oh, I haven't seen that. Very good. I, I, I enjoy it more. It's like, it's like OC, Friday Night Lights, like, kind of okay. together. It's very good. I'm there. That sounds, yeah, yeah, I'll have to check it out. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so, like you were talking about earlier, and I was looking at your resume, I know a lot of your background is in theater, and now, like you said, you're kind of starting to do more television. But what has that transition yeah. been, like, from theater to television? Like, is there any unexpected challenges that have come up going between the two mediums? Because I know they're very different. Yeah. I mean, yes to no. I feel like acting is acting. Yeah. Um, I think it kind of, it's sort of fun to go between the two because I think that they kind of inform each other a little bit. Um, definitely, I mean, what I love so much about TV and film and what was so fun, what is so fun about Chicago Fire and, I don't know, just being on set in general is this, it's all very intimate and there's no, like, you're, you're, you're immediately dropped into the world, which I think is really cool. Like, you're in a set, you're this world that's established and there's all these amazing props and you're in hair and makeup and it all makes it, it makes it very, like immediately very real. Um, and in a way, kind of, I don't want to say easier, but um, it, it helps in terms of just, you know, talk, just doing the scene and like being a yeah. person in the scene. Um, it's, whereas in theater, there's, there's kind of like a heightened aspect to it, which is, also really great um but but I think that like going between the two is 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 great because the things that you can learn from theater you can bring into film and tv and the things you can learn from film and tv you can bring into theater um in a really nice in a really kind of informative fun way did that answer did I answer your question I don't yeah no it definitely did I've just always been curious like with people from theater going to television and um like what that's like so but yeah no you definitely yeah I mean I will say I had this I had this audition once I think a couple years ago for this tv show and I remember walking out thinking like oh my god I just booked this I was so brilliant like I I like immediately called my manager and was like I just like knew in my heart I was like this is my job like I am gonna get this I like (laughs) called her and told her all about it and then of course you know the feedback was I think like you know Kate's voice sounds very theatrical she was like way too much and I just think that's so funny that you know, I here I was thinking that like, oh, this is my job, and then you know, I I was totally not right for it, or just you know was was not quite the right energy. So it definitely takes all this is to say, it does take a little bit. You have to kind of remind yourself, I think, um, in terms of just energy and vocal energy, there is a big difference between the two. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and so, I mean, we like to consider ourselves pretty in the know when it comes to news with the shows. Um, you know, a lot of casting news, <laughs> yeah, well, a lot of casting news will leak, you know, via deadline or variety or however, but nothing about Naomi or your casting was ever leaked. So when she popped up, we were I like, know. yeah, we were like, what? what is this? So let's go back to that. What was your audition process like? Yeah, so... I went in for so the casting office in New York that casts all the Chicago shows and Law and Order and FBI. They are like shout out to Jonathan Strauss and Jenny Ravis and everyone in that office. They are amazing. They're like the best people in the world. Um, they I've sort of gotten to know them this past year and they were you know I would just go in and audition for all of those shows basically um and they just kept calling me in until I booked something which is just so lovely and nice um it's funny I actually you want to hear something well I think it's funny I don't know if I should even tell you this oh well no you have to <laughs> I went in a couple weeks <laughs> I went in a couple weeks earlier and I actually auditioned for the role of Chloe which is you know Cruz's yeah, lady. and I walked out of there, and I was, I was like, totally did not have a good audition. I walked out being like, oh man, like that did not go well. Crap. <laughs> I hope that they see me again. <laughs> um, but it all worked out. It all worked out because then I got the material for Naomi and just immediately loved it and connected with it. Thought it was so fun, and she's just so smart and passionate and. and um, dedicated to her work and I just I like immediately loved it um but the audition was like I think I went in there once and read for it and then heard a couple days later so it was pretty pretty easy breezy was that like you heard a couple days later and then like because I've heard from a lot of people that we've talked to with the Chicago shows that like you know you get booked on Thursday and then Saturday you're out of into Chicago was that what it was like for you or was there a little bit more time in between when you had to be in Chicago um no that's what it was like I'm trying to remember I think I uh I'm trying to remember the timing of it I, I think it was a few days later I was on a plane which is kind of fun it's kind of fun that way because you never it keeps you on your toes and you never know where you're going to be, which is, <laughs> like, there's something kind of fun about that, um, telling everyone, oh, yeah, I'm going to Chicago now, bye, yeah, um, and then I'm curious, like, when you got the audition stuff, like, how was the character of Naomi originally described to you, like, did you know it was going to be, like, a recurring role for, you know, a couple episodes, like, how was she originally described to you? Yeah, I did know it was recurring, um, but all I got was the material from that first episode. Okay. Um, and I didn't even get the whole episode, I just got Naomi's a few of the scenes. Yeah. So I got maybe like uh, 10 pages or something, um, so it was quite a bit, but it wasn't everything, and I didn't know what was going to, I mean, I, I kind of knew that they were setting up, you know, some kind of romance, but I had no idea what exactly it would be um and like still did you know like still get like you know like i i, I you know it's like you, you don't know until you get the next script <laughs> right so um 
which is also exciting, I think. Um, but yeah, I, I had only gotten, you know, I only got what I got. So I didn't know, um, I didn't totally know where it was going. Cool. And so, yeah. I mean, you, you, you're binging the shows now, so you're, you're familiar with the shows and everything, but what do you think of this idea yeah. of a shared universe on such a big scale? Oh, I think it's, um, I think it's awesome. <laughs> like, my husband keeps being like, do you think maybe, like, you'll get a job on Chicago PD? Like, maybe they need you to be a journalist on Chicago PD, like, that'd be cool. And I'm like, yeah, that would be so cool. I don't know what fans would say, but I would love that. Um, I think it's so cool. I thought the crossover was so well done. I love, I love how everyone has a sibling or a girlfriend or a boyfriend in another show. I think it's so clever. And I don't know, just also, it must be so great for the fans to see all that overlap. Um, like, I feel like we're always seeing... Um, Jay in Chicago Med and, you know, Antonio in Chicago Fire. And it's just, I don't know, it's, it's really fun. Oh, so you're watching all three shows now. Well, it's not, not as religiously as Fire, but, like, I, I, I'm well, I'm acquainted with the universe for sure, for sure. Okay. Very cool. <laughs> Very cool. And I think we were talking about before we like officially started recording but just so everyone kind of knows like now that you're binging the shows like how much though did you know when you got the role of Naomi like about Dossie and like that history and like what you were stepping into for lack of a better phrase yeah 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 so I definitely knew I had watched the end of season six I knew what was going on with uh Dawson and Casey and I knew about Puerto Rico um so, and I definitely knew that, like, you know, they were, had a relationship since the pilot, and they were definitely a big fixture of the show. So, I knew that it was going to be a thing. <laughs> um, and I, I was saying this to you guys before, like, I also totally, like, I totally sympathize and empathize with the fans who are, who are trying to figure it out and who have strong opinions. Like, I totally, totally get it. You guys have been rooting for Dossie since day one, and and it's a lot to it's like a lot of new information to take in. So you know, I I get it. I don't think I knew just to the extent, like just how passionate people were, and just like how big of an impact this would be. But but I'm I'm certainly like not taken by surprise at all, and I get it. I really do. Yeah, I, yeah, I mean, so, but you're, you're binging season five, you've seen a good part of season six, so I'm just willing to call you one of us at this point, like, you've seen the whole series, <laughs> so, I'm curious, hey. you're welcome, yeah, but you, I mean, you have an interesting perspective here, so I want to know, like, from, from the viewer standpoint for you, I mean, what's your take on how Dossie ended, and how Casey's moving on, like, do you think it's too quickly, do you think it's just right, I mean, you have a really interesting perspective here. Yeah, well, I don't, I'm also totally biased because I play Naomi and, you know, I'm, I love working on this show and like, I want to be there forever. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, is that, the, I, I, so like, that's my point of view, but that's also, you know, the point of view of the actor who wants the job. Right. Um, I don't know. It's, it's kind of hard to separate myself from that. Um, I think that it's, I mean, 
I don't know. Is it quick? Is it a quick move on? Yeah, but also, like, he's not moved on. Like, Naomi goes in for the kiss a couple weeks ago, and he doesn't, he plays her out. You know what I mean? Like, he doesn't kiss her. So I think that there's, the trepidation is there. I think it's in the story. Um, and I also think that, um, you know, everyone keeps saying, like, well, yeah, it's been seven weeks for us, but how long is it in their world? And I think that's a good question. Um, how long has it been? And, like, what's happening off camera for Matt? Like, is he going home every night and texting Dawson? Or, you know, is he over her? And, and we just, we don't know. We don't see that. So I think there's, um, I don't know. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a good question. I'm, I don't, I don't know. understand where the fans are coming from but but let's be real how's the reaction been so far I think it's kind of fun. Um, 
it's also fun, like you guys were saying, like, who's this person? How come we didn't know anything about her? There was no announcement. It's kind of fun to see people's surprise reactions um, yeah. and to take that in. Because I know it's coming up, but, like, it's, it's kind of fun to watch it unravel in real time. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of what's coming up, I mean, in the promo that aired <laughs> last night, I mean, we yeah. all saw that kiss. So I... <laughs> Is there anything you can tell us about, like, what Naomi's up to in the fall finale? I mean, we all know something she's up to, but I mean. Well, we found out last night that Naomi is not, like, her story. She's, like, in it with the trailer people. Um, And she's in the middle of investigating, and Casey's nice enough to come along and to help her out. So that obviously is going to continue. I mean, we kind of left off on a... um, it sort of like left us hanging with yeah. them at the trailer park. Um, so that continues. Um, I don't really want to say anything about the kiss, just because <laughs> it's it, it, like really and truly you have to watch because it's it's I think it might be different than what than what you think it was going to happen. Yeah, no, you you have to you have to watch. <laughs> oh, we will. Oh, we will. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. And so, I mean, yeah, most of your scenes have been with Jesse, but you've been around the firehouse. So what's yeah. your experience been like on set? Like, what is everybody else like? Um, Everyone else is. So there's, <laughs> I'm convinced that this is just the best show to work on. Everyone is so nice. So incredibly lovely. The cast, I mean, I'm mostly hanging out with Jesse, but everyone else that I've met, Eamon is like Papa Bear. He's like the chief in real life. He's the nicest man I think I've ever met. I was like, can you just be my friend slash, I don't know, dad or something? I'm like, obsessed with him. Miranda is, I'm also obsessed with her. I like, all I want to do is have like a girl scene in Chicago Fire with all the ladies. Um, everyone is just so, so, so nice. The crew is all amazing. Everyone is just so good at their job and so efficient and so quick and just like so nice. I can't say enough wonderful things about everyone involved. Um, I keep saying to myself, like, am I doing something wrong? Is something bad going to happen? Like, this just feels, this is too much fun. Like, something's going to go wrong. Everyone's too nice. Everyone's (laughs) so, um, just lovely is the only word I can think of. That's so that's funny. So cool. Yeah, that's so funny yeah. that you describe Eamon as Papa Bear because we chatted with Annie Alonza a couple months ago. That's exactly how she described him. She literally said she was like, oh, Eamon, ah! he's Papa Bear. He's totally Papa Bear. Totally. That's so funny. Yeah, I was going to say, we definitely heard that people describe him like that before. Um, I'm too- Curious though, have you been living in Chicago like since you got the role, or you've been going back and forth between Chicago and New York? Like, how have you been splitting in your time? Yeah, I've been going back and forth. Okay. So I'll be in Chicago for sort of depending on the schedule. Um, at first, it was just like here and there, and then I wasn't an episode, and then um, the past few times I've been, it's been for longer stretches. But I, I've been going back and forth. Cool. Cool. Have you been like? Is this your first time spending like any real time in Chicago? Yeah. So I've been there before, um, just for like a weekend here or there. But this is my first time really, really in it. And it, you know, it's weird because I'm, I'm by myself, so I'm not 
um, in a way I've explored more that way, but in another way I'm like, oh, I wish I was kind of like with someone to, yeah. <laughs> I keep going to bars alone, like talking about the bartender and like asking for recommendations, like where should I go, what neighborhood should I sit at, like what should I see, <laughs> um, but it's been great, I mean I'm staying in hotels, so it's not like, which is lovely and great, but it's not like I, it's, it's different than having like a, a proper home base. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, but it's, it's been great. It's been like a really nice change of pace and scenery and Chicago's so beautiful. Um, it's a really cool town and I don't know, it's been, it's been so fun. Yeah, we love Chicago. We were there in March. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. So nice. Yeah. So nice. Yeah. Yeah. Bryna, do you have any other questions that you can think of? No, I think that's it. Kate, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us this evening. We had so much fun, and I'm very excited to see you back on the show. Oh, thank you. Yeah, this was a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. It was awesome talking to you. Thank you. You too. Yeah. Thank you. Bye. Bye.